The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. Hey everyone, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next up on The Big Show, we're at episode 15. This one originally aired February 11th, 1951. This might be the biggest group of names that I've seen so far in this show. Possibly for the rest of this show. (laughs) I just can't imagine it gets a whole lot bigger. We have Judy Garland. So I've actually heard this show before. I've done an intro for this show before. I don't remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure I'd lay money on the fact we're talking about Judy Garland. (laughs) Uh, Buck still has those in rotation playing those Judy Garland shows. And if you're unfamiliar, haven't heard them, not because of me, go check those out because Buck did a wonderful job curating from, you know, just teenage, just so sweet and young Judy Garland and her very first radio appearances all the way until a couple of years before her death you get the full expanse of her talent and how she grew into these different phases of her career. The Judy Garland show, good stuff. So Groucho Marx is in this one as well. We get him several more times, so I'm going to hold him out. Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, we've talked about them, 1951. They're newer, but they're established stars at this point. People know who they are. They're kind of knowing what to expect. So just in my own personal indulgence, if nothing else, the Andrews sisters are here and I'd like to kind of lean into them a little bit. I mean, even if you even say Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, not only do you know the song, you see the song, you see them in their outfits, in their hair, in their moves. And it's just, it's just iconic American music with these ladies. But something that I thought was so interesting, and maybe everybody else knew, right? I just didn't know this. I assumed they became popular during World War II, when in actuality, they were at the peak of their fame already. And that's why they were so effective (laughs) during World War II, because everybody already knew who they were. They already loved their music. And interestingly enough, some of their biggest fans were Germans. And so even during World War II, these ladies were so cool (laughs) and made such great music. During World War II, this American girl group was getting played on German radio. (laughs) That's that's what the, the Germans wanted to hear. But again, before that, they were successful with Bing Crosby. They collaborated with him on 47 songs that got recorded. 23 of them hit the billboard. And speaking of records, their legacy estimated 75 to 100 million records sold, 113 charted billboard hits, 46 top 10 hits, more than Elvis, more than the Beatles, 17 Hollywood films, more than any other singing group in movie history. And they broke theater records in America and Europe when they toured. I mean, just fantastic career. And in 1951, they're kind of hitting their first turbulent times where one of the sisters, a couple of years later, she's going to break out and go a solo route. Didn't quite work as well. Then they all tried to regroup and, you know, music had moved on a little bit. And they had some success and resurgence in the 70s. And it's just, just kind of what you would expect, really. I mean, it just music had moved on. The culture had moved on. But they're still icons. Just another tidbit of information. It's interesting because what we're finding out At this point, the show is huge. It's really a big deal. These are big names. Groucho Marx, Judy Garland, Andrew's sisters. People love these people. And so you would think the money would be rolling in from advertisers. Not the case. Two days after this show aired with these massive, massive names, 
NBC had to put a full page ad in the New York Times, basically begging for advertisers. I And they were embarrassed to do so. I'm going to read it, though. I, I just thought it was so interesting. Quote, 13 weeks ago, The Big Show, radio's greatest all-star variety program, with Cholulu Bankhead as MC, premiered on NBC Sunday 6 to 7.30 p.m. It's a crying shame that a show with such an enthusiastic response isn't sold out. But here it is, 13 weeks old, and the first half hour, Sunday 6 to 6.30, is still available for sale. Frankly, we're embarrassed to relieve our embarrassment and to give your 1951 advertising a solid start. Let us tell you about the best buy in town. Unquote. So interesting how this show is critically acclaimed. It's huge. Big stars. Biggest of the time. And NBC's out there putting front or full page ads begging for advertising dollars. It's just really interesting what's going on behind the scenes with this one. But that's all behind the scenes. What we have right now is 90 minutes of entertainment with some of still the most iconic entertainers of any era. February 11th, 1951. This is The Big Show. You're about to be entertained by some of the biggest names in show business. For the next hour and 30 minutes, this program will present in person such bright stars as... The Andrews Sisters. Joan Davis. Judy Garland. Gordon McRae. Dean Martin. Jerry Lewis. Groucho Marx. Jimmy Wallington. Meredith Wilson. And my name, darlings, is Tallulah Bankhead. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. So listen, America, the curtains of America. We're going to fill your parlor full of stars. The Big Show, 90 minutes with the most scintillating personalities in the entertainment world. Brought to you this Sunday and every Sunday at the same time as the Sunday feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. And here is your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. The big show is in Hollywood this week, and what a thrill it was to return to the scene of my former triumphs. Of course, they're all married now. <laughs> if they want to get married, why do they go to strangers? But one thing about Hollywood, there are... Thank you, darlings. <laughs> uh, there are plenty of big, handsome men around. Outdoor men, they call them here. Outdoor men, indeed. I was out with one of them the other night, and when he brought me home, what a job I had to keep him outdoors. <laughs> Well, fortunately, that's not my job. And the competition around here, darlings, it's something fierce. Well, you walk into a restaurant and all the girls, they all look so young. Anything to attract attention. (laughs) 
And then everybody who comes out here gets so nice and brown from the sun. But I remember the brown derby when it was a white hat. <laughs> All the people do here is sort of sit around in their pools in the sun, just dripping with suntan lotion. Everybody's so oily. Looks like I'm a little oily myself. <laughs> what time is the show supposed to start? Groucho Marx. <laughs> Hello, darlings. This is Groucho Marx. And now I give you Cholula Bankhead and ten points. What do you mean, and ten points? I said ten pints. That's five quarts, or would you like a case? <laughs> I'll make you a price on a case. Groucho, is that the way to talk to a lady? Sir, you are suffering from delusions of grandeur. <laughs> now, just a minute, Buster. Don't you start ad-libbing with me, because when it comes to ad-libbing, I'll ad-lib you for the whole hour and 30 minutes. So if you want to just stand here and talk, I'll talk longer, harder, faster, and lower <laughs> than anybody you ever came up against. So watch it, brother. And right now, I wish you were one of the other three. Right now, I wish you were Harpo. <laughs> Listen, Groucho, this is the big show, and I'd like a little respect. I'd like some myself. Let's get one order for two. Groucho Marx. Okay, he could use a little, too. Let's all have some respect. Innkeeper, respect for everybody. Be my guest. Have you quite finished? Yes, and it certainly hit the spot. That respect was a wonderful suggestion. Now, would you care to be a little more suggestive? Please. <laughs> There's a radio program going on. Okay, let's sit on the couch and listen to it. <laughs> I don't care to listen to it. Okay, let's sit on the couch and neck. <laughs> let's lock glasses. <laughs> All right now, Groucho, all right, let's settle down I'll accept that, we'll buy a little house on the side of a hill All painted white with green shutters I can see the petunias coming up the walk Are those petunias coming up the walk again? <laughs> let's turn out the lights and pretend we're not home The petunias are not coming up the walk to see us Well, as long as the lights are out, let's neck Can't you think of anything but necking? Well, I'll try No, I can't <laughs> uh, Groucho, let's get back to the script, darling all right, if you want to live dangerously, I'm game. Well, darlings, the big show is in Hollywood. And what a thrill it was to return to the scene of my former triumphs. Groucho, I've already read that part. Let's move on. We just got the house, and now you want to move. I don't want to move from the house. That's the trouble. We never get out of the house. All day long, I cook and scrub, and staying up all night to trim the hedges. You trim the hedges at night? Every night the hedges come over to play poker, I trim them. <laughs> Oh, Groucho, I rue the day I ever asked you on this program. Ah, Rudy Lade, ah, Paris in the spring. <laughs> Chocolate bar, mademoiselle? Groucho, the script. <laughs> well, darlings, the big show is in Hollywood, and what a thrill it is to return to the scene of my former triumphs. Groucho, you haven't changed a bit since you were on this program a few months ago. And you haven't either. I see you still don't have a sponsor. <laughs> We can't all have sponsors. My sponsor is the DeSoto Plymouth Car Dealers. If you like, I'll speak to them about sponsoring your program. Well, I guess a little auto-suggestion wouldn't hurt. <laughs> no moaning, please. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's make up a sponsor. The Plebo Company. The Plebo Company? How do you spell it? C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. <laughs> I waited, Goody. Let's give this program a little class. <laughs> Let's get this program a little class. Before you introduce the next number, let's have a commercial. All right, commercial. 
This program is brought to you by the Plebo Company. For more than two generations, the public has been taking Plebo. And for more than two generations, the Plebo Company has been taking the public. <laughs> Recently conducted laboratory tests prove that more doctors are conducting laboratory tests than treating patients. <laughs> Exhausted scientists have proved that four out of five is 80%. <laughs> How I toy with these yaks, huh? <laughs> A small purchase from your Plebo dealer will save you money. A large purchase from your Plebo dealer will save your Plebo dealer. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra and chorus in the exciting arrangement of Joshua Fits the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> Commercial. Meredith Wilson and his orchestra have been brought to you through the courtesy of the Plebo Company. If you have not yet tried Plebo, take advantage of this sensational offer for a free sample. Just send the top half of a $5 bill, <laughs> along with the bottom half. 
Flebo will amaze you. Just try it. If you are not satisfied, you can get your money back. Just try it. <laughs> oh, here comes a prospective customer. Hello, Miss Bankhead. Meredith Wilson. Young man, may I have a word with you? What's your name again? Meredith Wilson. A likely story. <laughs> Tell me, Meredith, how do you spell that? With two L's. Two L's in Meredith? Just the fellow I'm looking for. <laughs> I want to introduce you to a fine new product, Plebo. Plebo, meet Meredith Wilson. Meredith, meet Plebo. Hello, Plebo. I've met Plebo before, you know. Really? I uh, used it back home in Mason City, Iowa once. Have I ever told you about that, Miss Bankhead? No, but I know you will. <laughs> I'd uh, be glad to. Well, sir, Miss Bankhead, this happened... <laughs> this happened back in my hometown, Mason City, Iowa. Meredith, you're not going on with that revolting story about that remote little hamlet that you're so intent on telling to this nauseating little man. <laughs> Hello, darlings. The big show is in Hollywood. <laughs> and what a thrill it is to return to the scene of my former triumphs. Well, sir, gentlemen. <laughs> I was this time. I was working in a drugstore. And one afternoon, after the proprietor had gone to lunch, I got my hand caught in the cash register. Putting in or taking out? Putting in. A likely story. <laughs> you don't understand, Mr. Marks. I was going to talk to you about that free offer, about uh, sending in the top half of a $5 bill along with the bottom half. Mm -hmm. I don't happen to have two halves of a five, but uh, would you accept one whole ten? Well, I'll have to take a couple of days to think that over. Well, hello, Meredith. Haven't seen you in a couple of days. <laughs> I'll take that ten. Step into my office. Well, while that sharp little deal is being consummated, there's a sharp little deal I'd like to consummate for myself. From Warner Brothers, producers of Storm Warning... We have secured a young, handsome, acting and singing star who is going to let us hear Porgy's Lament from the immortal George Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. Darlings, here he is, Gordon McRae. <laughs>
that I was gone till I got home to see darling, come over here. I want to talk to you. I adore the way you sing. Thanks, Miss Bankhead. I can hardly believe I'm on the big show. <laughs> Seems to me as if I'm dreaming standing here beside you. Isn't he sweet? <laughs> uh, shall I pinch you to prove you're awake, darling? Oh, no, you don't have to do that. Well, then you pinch me, darling. <laughs> what I meant is, Miss Bankhead, is that I've heard so much about you from some of the big stars uh, who've been on the show with you. Oh, have you? I, uh, I don't believe it, of course. <laughs> well, thank you, darling. I think. <laughs> Tell me, Gordon, I notice you've been rather shy and aloof the two days we've rehearsed this show. Don't you like young women? Oh, no, Miss Bankhead. I prefer your type. What? <laughs> what I meant is that, well, you're the sort of woman of the world. Woman that's been around a lot. Somebody I could bring my, my problems to. You could give me advice. Sort of keep me straight and sort of take me under your wing. Stop talking to me as I were Mother McRae. <laughs> How old are you, Gordon? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight? Well, what a coincidence. Um... <laughs> I, too, was twenty-eight once. <laughs> Oh, those were the good old days, eh, Miss Bankhead? I can't figure this boy out. <laughs> but if I ever find out he knows what he's talking about... I didn't mean anything by that remark, Miss Bankhead. Well, you keep saying you didn't mean anything, and you keep on saying things. Well, when I said the good old days, I didn't mean the real old days of long ago. Yes, darling. I meant more the good old days of Diamond Jim Brady and Lillian Russell. <laughs> You're saying it again! My goodness, how old do you think I am? Well, I, I think you're about... I didn't ask you. 
You just said, how old did I think you were? That was a rhetorical question. I didn't expect an answer. I never saw it to fail. Every time one of these handsome, bouncing boys on this program, I wind up feeling aged and decrepit. Tommy, mother, are you calling me? <laughs> Come here, Groucho, darling. At least you're more my age. I mean, speed. Uh, do you know Gordon McRae? How do you do, sir? Gordon McRae? Meredith Wilson with two L's, Tallulah Bankhead with two of everything? <laughs> More phony names in this program. And what about Groucho Marx? A phony if I ever heard one. <laughs> McCray, how about giving us a commercial on Plebo? Well, I'm very happy to, Groucho. Plebo is filled with vitamins. It's filled with energy. It's filled with all the health-giving minerals of the soil. Everybody knows what Plebo is full of. <laughs> Very good, young man. Tell me, what's your racket? What do you do? Well, I sing. I'm in pictures, and I'm on the radio. All right, make up your mind. Which is it? <laughs> All three. You have three jobs at one time? Are you married? Oh, yes. What does your wife do? Nothing. We have three children. <laughs> And you call that doing nothing? <laughs> well, speaking of three children reminds me, here are three children who grew up to be three of the most famous girls in show business. This week, they're celebrating their 15th anniversary as a singing trio, and they're going to give us a medley of songs they turned into hits. Here they are, Patty, Maxine, and Laverne, the Andrew sisters. <laughs> Yeah. 
boys on the run. Sing, boom, terrero, sing out a song of good cheer. And now it's time to roar the barrel for the gang's all here. I can see. No matter how near you be, you'll never belong to me. But I can dream, can't I? Can I pretend that I'm locked in the bend of your embrace? For dreams are just like wine, and I am drunk with mine. I'm aware my heart is a sad affair. There's much disillusion there. But I can dream, can I, can I adore you Although we are oceans apart I can't make you open your heart But I can dream Front and center, please. Now, let me get this straight. You're Maxine, is that right? No, I'm Patty. Oh, of course, Patty. How stupid of me. Now, let me see. You're Maxine, is that right? No, I'm Laverne. Oh, I'm so sorry, darling. Then it's obvious that you must be Maxine. No, I'm Groucho. <laughs> Will you please come out of the use? Please come out. These are the Southern, Andrews of Southern Groucho. education. <laughs> what they teach in Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> Andrew's so, sisters, Groucho. Uh, what's the matter with them, huh? <laughs> oh, then these three guys are sisters, eh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no matter what you say, it's better than the script. <laughs> That's right. We're the Andrew's sisters, Groucho. Well, how do you do? I just met your father, Gordon McRae. <laughs> what's your racket, girls? What do you do? We, we sing on the radio. All three of you on one job? That's right. How do you like that? There's one guy with three jobs, and here are three girls with one job. <laughs> I'll put you to work. How about doing some plebo commercials? Maxine, how about you? Oh, be glad to. When I do a lot of housework, I use plebo to soften my hands. When I do a lot of walking, I use plebo to soothe my feet. And plebo is wonderful if you just sit around. <laughs> Yes, a girl walked herself up from the bottom. How about you? <laughs> How about you, Laverne? Would you read this testimonial from a Mrs. Brown in Topeka, Kansas? Okay. I was unhappily married for years. 
Until one day I served my husband a heaping bowl full of plebo. <laughs> I have never known an unhappy day since. Signed, Widow Brown. <laughs> and now you, Patty. I have been brushing my tooth with plebo. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. And just to show... And just to show you I'm a good sport, I'll take you out after the show. Maxine, what are you doing after the show tonight? I'm Patty. Okay, Patty, same question. Oh, I have a date. Line up, girls. Maxine, same question. Same answer. Levine? Uh, Levine? <laughs> that shows you shouldn't eat salami for lunch. <laughs> Levine? Just for that, ditto. Well, that leaves, o- that leaves only... Uh... Oh, well, darling. Gordon, what are you doing after the show? <laughs> I'm having dinner with my wife, Groucho. Oh. Well, what now, brother? That's an idea. I'll call up one of my brothers. <laughs> moment, darlings, with all the stars you've met so far, and with some new ones, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, Joan Davis, and Judy Garland. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. National Broadcasting Company Sunday Extravaganza with the most scintillating personalities in show business. The Big Show, the Sunday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival, is brought to you by the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia, by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, and by Chesterfield, the cigarette that has for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. The big stars on this program are the Andrews Sisters, Joan Davis, Judy Garland, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, Gordon McRae, Groucho Marx, Meredith Wilson and the Big Show Orchestra and Chorus, and every week, your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. 
Well, darling, since the big show's in Hollywood this week, I took advantage of the trip out here to visit some of the picture studios. And you'd be surprised at the way they practically fawned all over me. Those producers made all kinds of offers. <laughs> one was... Wait. <laughs> one was for a picture. <laughs> now laugh. <laughs> this producer told me that California was the only place to live. Well, you know how I feel about New York. And he couldn't understand why I was so enthusiastic about New York. It's so cold there, he said. But cold or no cold, I'd be very happy back in New York right now. Why, at this very moment, darlings, do you know what I'd be doing if I were in New York? Well, let me see. It'd be about uh, uh, 6.30 now in New York. I'd be just in time to catch a plane from Miami. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on with the business at hand. Appearing here through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions... Producers of September Affair are two young motion picture stars. Yes, I'm young, young, and I'm proud of it. I'm young. Do you hear me, young? <laughs> Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Welcome to the big show. And now for our first contestant, Mr. Lula Bankin. How do you do? What do you do? Where do you do it? <laughs> Tell us a little something about your background. Will not you? Don't be nervous. Stand a little closer to the floor. Come now, speak up. Talk right into my hand. Now, just a minute, Costello. <laughs> Dean, she's gonna hit me. Well, I don't blame her. That's no way to talk to a woman of Miss Bankhead's stature. That's a stature? <laughs> so where are the pigeons? <laughs> now, Jerry, you're being obnoxious, obstinate, and obtuse. Three little words that say I love you. Now, they mean nothing of the kind. Dean, you don't like me no more? After I had my hair done this way, especially for you? No, I don't like you no more, Jerry. Not when you act like that on a show like this in front of people like those. Now, look here, Cyril. If you're going to talk like those to a person like this in front of people like they, then you may consider our engagement broken. Take back your ring and take back your summer. You remember? Mama, yeah, yeah. Take your sweaty paws off me. <laughs> okay, kid, the dance is over. Give me another ticket. <laughs> Mine was nearly over. Look, uh, Jerry, now, come on, let's take it easy. I want you to apologize. I want to apologize for my partner, Miss Bankhead. Oh, now your partner's with Miss Bankhead. All you men are alike, especially you, Dean Martin, or as I have come to know you, Poopsie. <laughs> You meet a girl more beautiful than I And oh, I grant you She's not as 26 as I But suddenly she is your new partner Ho, ho, that's rich <laughs> And mark my words Mark my words Here's a pencil Mark my words <laughs> There will definitely be repercussions from abroad Don't tempt me, darling Jerry, I did not say we are not partners no more. Double negative. Take two giant steps. Go back. You didn't say may I. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, it hurts me. The whole eyeball's busted. It's dripping. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. Watch it. You're in the presence of the great Tallulah Bankhead, a woman of renown in the theater, a woman of breeding, a real thoroughbred and high-spirited. So could I ride her around the stockade once? <laughs> Well, that does it. 
Since this program began, I have run the gamut from a haggard witch to a corpulent, senile man-chaser. Now I'm a horse. Look, Dean, a talking horse. (laughs) Jerry, please stop that. Now, you must go on over and apologize to Miss Bankhead. After all, Tallulah's a great actress. You remember some of the plays she's been in? Dark Victory. Yeah, I seen it. Little Foxes. I seen that. Private Lives. I seen that, too. Jerry, I saw it. Yeah, we seen it together. <laughs> Miss, Miss Bankhead has given some of the most exciting performances of our time. She's appeared in some of the most exciting plays on Broadway, and her name is one of the most exciting names in the theater. Sure, I know. I seen her name in the theaters. It's all over every door. Exit. <laughs> Don't you get it? I said exit. I know it's exit, but I said exit because he said exciting. So if I said exit, it wouldn't be funny because he said exciting. <laughs> Come now, you're not paying attention. <laughs> There'll be an examination right after the program, and the whole third row stays after school. But first, we'll have a fire drill. <laughs> you boys have been smoking on the stairs. You're nothing but rowdies. <laughs> Come here. Do you hear? Come here at once. Yes, Captain Bly, you called me. Ah, oh, look, Jerry, enough clowning. Ah, <laughs> clowning you calls it, yes, Dean? I want you to go over to Miss Bankhead, see? Who has been out of the script now for two pages. <laughs> I want you to flatter her. Tell her you've seen her in all her plays and say you're sorry for the way you acted. Now, run over like a good boy and tell her. Okay, I run. Tallulah. Yes, darling. I have seen you in all the plays you've been in, and I am sorry for the way you acted. What? Uh, Miss Bankhead, please, may I say a word in behalf of my partner? I do not care to hear any more of his unintelligible gibberish. I wish you would sing, darling. Would you, Dean? Well, I'll be glad to. Yeah, Dean. Sing that song from our latest Paramount picture at War with the Army, Tonda Wanda Hoy. Tonda Wanda Hoy. I told you I didn't want any more of that gibberish. I wasn't gibbing. That's a song. Sing it, Dean, before she hits me. Do the Dick Stabile arrangement. It's really swell. <laughs> it's easier to say I love you than time to wonder hard gonna collide And wouldn't you rather say I love you Than time to wonder heart gonna collide It's easier to spell Kiss me dear Than time to wonder heart gonna collide And wouldn't you rather say Kiss me, dear, than time to wonder how I'm gonna collide. To quote a famous Yale professor, Osculation is a sensation that is nice. If you should ask a Harvard lawyer, he'll charge you twenty dollars. And he'll give you this advice It's easier to say I love you Than time to wonder how Gonna collide 
And wouldn't you rather say I love you Than Tanda Wanda Hoy Tanda Wanda Hoy Tanda Wanda Hoy Kunigalai To quote a famous Yale professor Osculation is a sensation that is nice If you should ask a Harvard lawyer He'll charge you twenty dollars And he'll give you this advice It's easier to say I love you Than time to wonder Hoy, come And wouldn't you rather say I love you Than time to wonder Hoy, time to wonder Hoy here is something you should know if you ever suffer from the sudden pain of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. It's a way to ease the pain, often within a few minutes. A way that is incredibly fast and effective. It's Anison. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people were first introduced to Anison through their own physicians or dentists. But today these tablets are in such widespread use that all drug counters have them, and anyone may enjoy their benefits. Next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, by all means try Anison. You'll like the convenience of Anison tablets. And you'll be delighted with Anison's incredibly fast action. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison. Ask for Anison by name today at your druggist's. And now, darlings, I want to welcome back to the big show a friend who was such a big hit when she appeared with us a few weeks ago, Joan Davis. Well, hello, Tallulah. Hello, Mrs. Davis. It's Miss Davis. Oh, I'm sorry. You're sorry. <laughs> Now, Joan, let's not have any bickering. Remember, we are old, 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 old friends. And the way you say that, I can feel my arteries hardening. <laughs> but listen, don't give me that old friend routine. I heard him talking backstage about a big party you're giving after the show. Why wasn't I invited? But, darling, I did invite you. Don't you remember this morning when I said, you can't come to my party tonight, can you, darling? <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten warmer invitations than that from Forest Lawn. <laughs> well, the real truth of the matter is, Joan, I didn't want to embarrass you. You see, darling, my party is being given at a very exclusive restaurant. Oh, and you think that I don't fit into that kind of a fancy restaurant, huh? Well, I went to LaRue's restaurant last week. What do you think of that? Oh, I know LaRue's, darling. It's quite exclusive. Exclusive? Why, if you make $5,000 a week, you get a table right up at front. And if you make 2000 a week, you're in the back of the room. And if you make 1000 a week, you sit by the door. I went there last week. 
curb service. <laughs> well, that sounds charming, Joan. But you see, I'm giving my party in the dining room at the hotel where I live. That's ultra-exclusive. The food there is untouched by human hands. Yeah, I heard that. The chef kicks it into the plate with his feet, doesn't he? <laughs> but of course, Joan, if you feel you want to come to my party, but I must warn you, darling, that my guests are all very literate people, you know. They're authors, scientists, doctors. Oh, doctors? I just finished reading a book by a doctor. Uh, brain surgery self-taught. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just bought his next book, Through the Mayo Clinic with Knife and Fork. <laughs> Well, who can eat now? <coughs> Joan, I hope you won't get the idea that I don't want you to come to the party. Well, one of us doesn't want me to come. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, you see, you're not dressed for party. Uh, what are you going to do about your hair? I'm going to wear it, of course. <laughs> you know, I just washed it this morning. Obviously, darling, the laundry tag is still attached to your bag. <laughs> Oh, yes, and by the way, everybody's coming to the party with an escort. Have you an escort? Oh, sure, I have. His name is Jim. He'll take me out. I've been plying him with Hattacall. <laughs> Joan, dear, that's no way to get a man interested in you. A man likes mystery, intrigue, allure. Oh, I got a two-ounce bottle every one of those. Oh, of course, darling, that's one of my secrets on how to get a man, but don't let it get around. A mum's the word. I got a two-ounce bottle of that, too. <laughs> so look, Joan, what I'm trying to say, my darling, is that if I were interested in capturing a man, I'd use restraint, I'd use diplomacy, I'd use uh, tact. Well, you use what you got, I'll use what I got left, too. <laughs> well, where did you meet this gentleman, Joan? Well, I was walking along Benedict Canyon Drive, and he gave me a lift. Yeah, you've been there, huh? <laughs> and he gave me a lift into town, which I thought was especially nice because he didn't have a car. <laughs> yeah, and then he took me into a department store with him to buy himself a necktie, and he put his fingers around my throat, and he squeezed real hard, and he said to the clerk, See, that's the shade of purple I want. <laughs> Well, he sounds like a perfectly fascinating man. I just can't wait to meet him, but I suppose I'll have to. Because the party tonight is formal, you know. And uh, you don't have anything to wear, have you, darling? Oh, sure. I've got an off-the-shoulder dress I've been wearing to parties since I was 12 years old. <laughs> 12? But that's not old enough to wear an off-the-shoulder dress. If it stays up, you're old enough to wear it. <laughs> Here's a word from RCA Victor. It's a great light this week for television enthusiasts. Yes, the current issue of Life magazine, dated February 12th, contains a really thrilling double-page advertisement showing RCA Victor's complete new 1951 series of million-proof television, America's favorite television, owned most, proved most, and now more wonderful than ever. Fourteen brand-new RCA Victor models, each more glamorous than the last. Table toppers, consoles, and combinations. Cabinets ranging from an exquisite 18th century low boy to a stunning modern swiveler. 14, 17, and 19-inch screens with such beautiful pictures, well, you'll simply have to see them to believe them. So run, don't walk, to the nearest RCA Victor dealers and meet all the glamorous new million-proof models in real life. 
Here's hoping you can take home your favorite set soon and start having the time of your life, enjoying the life of your time with matchless RCA Victor Television. Hey, Tallulah. Yes, Joan. I don't understand you. You come all the way from New York and you can have your choice of any man in Hollywood on this program. But who do you wind up with? Those two over there. Jerry Lewis and Groucho Marx. Our snake and old face. <laughs> Go ahead, look at him. Go ahead, force yourself. Well, I have an advantage over you, darling. I can take off my glasses and make them disappear. <laughs> Hey, Jerry. Yeah, Groucho. Get a load of those two over there. With all the beautiful models running around town, we get stuck in a used car lot. <laughs> Look at them. I can't. I didn't eat dinner yet. Well, give up dinner. You will eventually. <laughs> because these two are going to be our dates for tonight. Those are our dates? What's the matter? Girls gone out of style? <laughs> Say, Tallulah, yes, if Tom. one of those guys is going to try to make a date with me, I'm going to be taken suddenly drunk. Well, if they do ask us, Joan, darling, we'll just try to think of them as Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. What an imagination it's going to take with those two. Oh, I do it all the time. It's very easy. All you have to do is close your eyes and concentrate. Oh, Clark, darling, oh, darling. Oh, stop that now. Why, fresh... Now, you Gregory, darling. Oh, that's fun. Let me try that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. <laughs> Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. Jerry, look at those two. They look like Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. <laughs> hey, Groucho, I got a system. Not much of one, but go ahead. Well, when I go out with a girl I don't like, or Dean Martin, I close one... <laughs> I close one eye and I think of Lana Turner and Rita Hayward. What do you do with the other eye? I'm driving. <laughs> Dad gave me the car, you know. <laughs> now... <laughs> now, I'm thinking of Lana Turner. Come in, Lana. Come, Lana. Come in, Lana. Come in. Roger. Rita, over How you making out, Grouch? Are you thinking? Yes, I'm thinking What are you thinking? I'm thinking that at this advanced stage of my career I have to play straight man to Jerry Lewis <laughs> Okay, Groucho I'll think up a girl for both of us You better hurry We're thinking up the whole script <laughs> Okay, Grouch, I'm getting through Come in, Lana Come in, Rita Come in, girls Roger Who's there? A house detective You got a couple of girls in your mind? You better get them out of there <laughs> But I got one for you, Groucho Here, you take Rita I got Lana Oh, Lana Ah, oh, Rita <laughs> Look at those two, Joan They look like Marjorie Maine and Zazu Pitts <laughs> You know, I've been thinking, Tallulah I feel kind of sorry for him Maybe we ought to go out with him We could go to a restaurant and a nightclub and dancing I wonder if they got any money No, 
That Groucho is loaded. I know, but does he have any money? <laughs> you know, Jerry, our attitude is all wrong. They're two nice girls. We could show them a good time, take them to dinner, a nightclub, go dancing. Are you crazy or something? That'll cost close to $100. Well, they must have $100 between them. But on the other hand, Joan, I can't picture myself going out with them. One's too old and the other's too young. On the other hand, Jerry, I don't think we ought to go out with them. One's too old and so's the other. <laughs> but Tallulah, what about your system about closing your eyes and thinking of Clark Gable and Gregory Peck? Oh, yes, yes, that's what I'll do. Oh, Clark, oh, Gregory. Oh, Carrie, how nice of you to drop in. I want you to meet Joan Davis. Oh, Carrie. Oh, Joe. Oh, Jerry. Joan, what are you thinking? I keep thinking of Carrie, but he comes out looking like Groucho. <laughs> and you know what? I don't seem to mind. It's springtime, darling. It's that censored, censored springtime. Close the window before it gets us. There. That'll keep it out. Oh, brother. It got in. It's too late. comes the springtime and there goes my heart. Totally hardly hady. All my resistance is falling apart. Totally hardly hate. Sweet evening breeze, go away if you please. Lilacs and schmilacs unhand me. Fresh morning dew, you are soaking me through With feelings that don't understand me Oh, after the robins, the crickets will start Oh, hardly Haiti Here comes the springtime and there goes my heart Holy hardly, holy hardly, holy hardly Patsy for Cupid's first dog. Hardly, hardly, hey. Bluebird Brigade, you have sure got me made. Pansies and violets, I'm loving. Panama hat, I am flat on the mat. You butterflies gotta quit shoving. After the crickets, the bullfrogs will start. Hardly, hardly, hey. Seems to up and depart. Holy, highly, hey. Gambling lamb, I invite you to scram. Heifers, please stop with that lowing. 
Lightning bulbs light my libido each night. Hey, hummingbirds, watch where you're going. After the bullfrogs, the lovebirds will start. Holy, highly, hey, Here comes the springtime, and there goes my heart. Those Andrew sisters. <laughs> Congratulations, June. Thanks, man. Holy, 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 is I'm getting lonesome, and there goes my heart. Won't some fella grab it and Thank you, darlings. Now, two of Hollywood's most prominent citizens, Bean Crosby and Bob Hope. Now, here's Chesterfield's answer to Cyrano de Bergerac, Bob Hope. I'd top you easy, Dad, but we only have a minute here to sell Chesterfield. Okay, well, let's get to it. Better-tasting Chesterfield is the only cigarette that combines for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Mm, the mildness is a cinch to prove. You just make the Chesterfield mildness test. You know, open a pack and enjoy that milder aroma. Then smoke them... And you'll know that Chesterfields are mild. And Chesterfield leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. That fact has been confirmed by the country's first and only cigarette taste panel. So make our cigarette your cigarette. The reasons go together like this. Chesterfield, Chesterfield always takes first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell, then you'll smoke them. Well, darlings, we've about come to that spot on our show where you will hear the exciting singing voice of Judy Garland. But before we get to Judy and our other stars, Groucho and Dean and Jerry and Gordon McRae and the Andrew sisters, Jimmy Wellington has this to say. This portion of the program was brought to you by the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. By RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. And by Chesterfield. The cigarette that has for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. And now, Tallulah, if you care to ring your chimes. I certainly do, Jimmy, darling. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. This is the big show, and Tallulah Bankhead is about to introduce... Darlings, here she is. The one, the only, the most vibrant young singer in show business today... Singing Get Happy from her latest MGM picture, Summer Stock, Miss Judy Holliday. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. We're going to the promised land. We're heading for the river. Throw your sins away in the tide. It's all so peaceful on the other side. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. 
You better chase all your cares away Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy Get ready for the judgment day Forget your troubles, come on, get happy Chase your cares away Hallelujah, get happy Before the judgment day The sun is shining, come on, get happy The Lord is waiting to take your hand Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy We're gonna be going to the promised land We're heading across the river Wash your sins away in the tide It's quiet and peaceful on the other side Forget your troubles, get happy Your cares fly away Shout hallelujah, get happy Get ready for your judgment day Come on, get happy Chase your cares away Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy Get ready for the judgment day Sun is shining, come on, get happy Lord is waiting to take your hand Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy You better chase all your cares away Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy Get ready Get ready Get ready For the judgment day Darling, will you forgive me for that silly little faux pas just now? But we have had another Judy on the show, and she's pretty wonderful. But there's no one in the world like Judy Garland. God bless you, darling. Come here a moment. I want to talk to you. Right. You have the most divine voice. You know, Judy, the one song I think of when I think of Judy Garland is that one from The Wizard of Oz, the one that goes, Somewhere over the rainbow, <laughs> way up high. Um. I don't, I don't remember that song in the picture. <laughs> there, there was a song that went, Somewhere over the rainbow way up high. Well, yeah. you may not believe this, darling, but that's exactly the song I just sang. <laughs> I guess I wasn't paying attention. Oh, how I envy your voice, Judy. It's so full and vibrant. You can sing without a microphone. Oh, well, how I envy you, Tallulah. You can sing without a voice. <laughs> Well, evidently you never heard me sing on this program. But I have. <laughs> yes, I, I've been listening to you on this program for weeks. You're wonderful. You're so dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. I've always thought of you as sort of a tall Mickey Rooney. <laughs> now, isn't she sweet? <laughs> Uh, Judy, darling, I read somewhere you're going to London to appear at the Palladium at some fantastic figure. I was there, you know. Yes, I, I read about a fantastic figure that was there. <laughs> uh, darling, uh, Judy uh, Garland, how long has it been since you were in England? Um, Fifteen years. Uh, well, darling, that's when I was there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop at the Barclay Hotel. My darling, that's where I stopped. I was 12 years old at the time. Why, darling, that's where I stopped. 
Oh, I do hope you, you know a lot of people over there because London can be very lonesome, a lonesome town if you just sit around your hotel room waiting for somebody to call, you know. Waiting for a phone call that never comes can be so utterly... Well, you just sit there wondering and talking to yourself. Dorothy Parker captured the feeling in that wonderful vignette titled A Telephone Call. Please, God, let him telephone me now. Dear God, let him call me now. I won't ask anything else of you, truly, I won't. It isn't very much to ask. It would be so little to you, God, such a little, little thing. Only let him telephone now. Please, God, please. Please, please. If I didn't think about it, maybe the telephone might ring. Oh, I could think of something else. Maybe if I counted 500 by fives, it might ring by that time. I'll count slowly. I won't cheat. I won't cheat. And if it rings when I get to 300, I won't stop. I won't answer until it gets to 500. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Oh, please ring, please. Is it the last time I look at that clock? I will not look at it again. Ten minutes past seven. He said he would telephone at five o'clock. I'll call you at five, darling. I think that's what he said. That's where he said, darling. I'm almost sure he said it there. I know he called me darling twice. And the other time was when he said, oh, shut up, darling. He was busy and he can't say much in the office, but he called me darling twice. He couldn't have minded my calling him up. I... I know I shouldn't keep bothering them. I know they don't like that. But I hadn't talked to them in three days. Not in three days. And what all I did was ask him how it was. It was just the way anybody might call him up. He couldn't have thought I was bothering him. No, of course you're not, he said. And he said he telephoned me. But he didn't have to say that. I, I didn't ask him to. Truly, I didn't. I'm sure I didn't. I don't think he would say he telephoned me and then... Just never do it. Please don't let him do that, God. Please don't. He just telephoned. I wouldn't tell him I'd been sad about him. They hate sad people. I'd be so sweet and I'd be gay. He couldn't help but like me. He'd only telephone. He'd only telephone. Maybe he's not going to phone. Maybe he's coming up, up here without phoning. He's going to surprise me. Suppose something's happened to him. Suppose he got run down my truck. No, it didn't happen. Nothing could ever happen to him. I can't picture anything happening to him. I can't picture him being hit by a truck or a bus or a taxi. I can't picture him lying there long and still and dead. I wish he were dead. Oh, that's, that's a terrible wish. That's a lovely wish. If he were dead, he'd be mine. If he were dead. I would never think of now in the last few weeks. I'd remember only the lovely times. Oh, this is silly. It's silly going on wishing people were dead just because they don't call you up the very minute they said they would. Why doesn't he call me? The stinker. All right, I'll be quiet. 
because there's nothing to get excited about. Looks, suppose he won other girls, and I'd just telephone and say, well, for goodness sake, what's happened to you? That's what I do. I never even think about it. Oh, why can't I be casual and natural? Just because I love him. I can be, honestly, I can be. I'll call him up and I'll be so easy and pleasant. You'll see if I won't. Oh, God, don't let me call him. Please don't, 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 don't. God, aren't you really going to let him call me? Aren't you sure? I mean, couldn't you please relent? Couldn't you? I don't even ask you to let him telephone me this minute. Only let him do it in a little while. I'll count 500 by fives. I'll do it so slowly and so fairly. If he hasn't telephoned, then I'll call him. I will. Oh, please, God, let him call before then. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five. It's getting late. Oh, God, forty, forty-five, fifty. Please, operator, don't let that Joan Davis telephone now. I won't ask anything of you. Truly, I won't. Not even more jokes. I'm going to count to two million by ones. And if she doesn't call me by then, thank you. Roger Marks, what are you doing? I guess you think that guy was pretty much of a heel because he didn't telephone you. Did you ever stop to think that something kept him from calling you? Nothing should have kept him from calling me. Maybe he was killed. That's no excuse. <laughs> You women are always jumping at conclusions. Let me show you why that fellow couldn't call you. There he was, sitting at home by the telephone. Let me see. Where could I have put that Tallulah Bankhead's telephone number? I know it's around here someplace. I should have let her tattoo it on me like she wanted to. <laughs> Please let me find that phone number. It's so little to ask. Just a little phone number. Maybe I put it in the glove compartment of my chartreuse convertible. But I don't, know, I don't own a chartreuse convertible. Please let me own a chartreuse convertible. It's so little to ask. I must get her on the phone. Where was I when she gave me that number? Oh, I remember that night. She took me to the cleaners. I'll call the cleaners. Please let the cleaners answer the phone. I'll count to five by tens. I'm asking very little, and this script is getting very little. Hello, Martin and Lewis, cleaners and dyers. Martin's cleaning, and I'm dying. <laughs> Lewis speaking, Martin can't talk. How can I talk? They don't give me any lines. <laughs> don't you worry, Deanie boy. I'm getting the last of the both of us. Ah, laughs, he says. Oh, it hurts me. Is this Lewis? 
You tell me who you are first, then I will tell you who am I. You start. This is Groucho Marx. I'm looking for a girl. I think I left her in one of my suits. <laughs> will you look? Is she here for cleaning or dying? You're pressing, Lewis. <laughs> Just a minute. Dean, did you iron a girl today? Did I what, Jerry? Did you say iron or wine? My tongue got in the way of my eye tooth. I couldn't see what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, I finally got a line. They yes, work yes. These two. <laughs> I tell you, yes, yes. You hear me? Yes. They take it easy. They don't give cleaners and dyers Academy Awards. <laughs> Look in my suit and see if you can find a number there. It's in that hand-stitched suit. Look under the left hand. I got it. I found it. Read it to me. The hand won't let go. Jerry, that's Miss Davis's hand. Oh, it's Miss Davis's hand, Mr. Marks. Miss Davis is in charge of alterations. Joan Davis speaking, in charge of alterations. I alter the customer to fit the suit. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember you. You altered that suit I wore when I went to New York last year. It was way too big for me. Well, you told me you were a big man in New York. <laughs> Will you read me that little slip of paper? It says you are industrious, ambitious, kind, handsome, and quite a ladies' man. I know all that. What does it say on the other side? You weigh 40 pounds. <laughs> I'll, take that, I'll take that up with my attorneys. Gaylord, Hauser, Yammy, and Yoga. <laughs> is there a phone number on it? Oh, yes. Here it is. Uh, Crestview 6482. Thank you. Five seven nine three four six eight eleven three 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 one seven two four six nine three two one. Oh yes, long distance. Thank you. <laughs> Please, operator, let her answer the phone now. It's such a little thing to ask. It's such a long number. <laughs> I'll count to one by twos. Please let her be there. Please. Please let her be there, please. 480, please. 485, let me get my last please. 490, 495. Please let him call before I run out of toes. 500. <laughs> he called. Oh, he called. He did call. I knew he would. Oh, thank you for letting him call. Thank you. Oh, I must be calm. I mustn't let him think I got those worried about him at all. I must be cool and calm and collected. I really must. I'll answer as if I asked he was just awoken me out of a sound sleep. Hello. How do you like that? I finally get a number and a man answers. Now, darlings, we have a bouquet of Valentine greetings from all of us to all of you. Meredith Wilson has arranged a musical corsage of love songs, and our entire cast will present them to you now. Since first 
first I met you on the village green. Come to me for my dream of love is Summer sky 
Darlings, you were wonderful. The cast and the audience. Well, of course, Valentine's Day is the most sentimental day of the year, and perhaps one of the reasons is because when Valentine's Day comes around, we know that springtime is not far behind. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Jones, shut the window. It's too late, Tallulah. <laughs> oh, here comes the springtime and with it romance. Groucho looks good to us now. Here comes the springtime and there goes my heart. Holy, highly, hey, hey. All my resistance is falling apart. Holy, highly, hey. Still, BBDs, you are tickling my knees. Springtime is very alarming. Marjorie Maine, may I tell you again, you're lovely, you're chic, and you're charming. After the robins, the crickets ah. Oh, 
Valentine's Day. This week is also honored by the birthday anniversary of a great, great man. Nothing points up the true humanitarian spirit that was Abraham Lincoln more than the now famous letter which he wrote to Mrs. Bixby of Boston. The letter is dated November the 21st, the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. Ladies and gentlemen, this has about been our big show from Hollywood. Next week, we'll be back in New York, and our guests will be Fred Allen, Jack Carson, Portland Hoffer, Beatrice Lilly, Lawrence Melchior, Ed Wynn, the West Point Choir and others, and, of course, our own Meredith Wilson and the big show orchestra and chorus. Until then, may the good Lord bless and keep you, whether near or far away. Judy. May you find that long-awaited golden day today, Groucho. May your troubles all be small ones and your fortune ten times ten. Dean and Jerry. May, may the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet. sunlight shining and a bluebird in every tree may there be a silver lining back of every cloud you see Meredith fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows never mind what might have been Joan May 
Good Lord bless and keep you until we meet again. May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet, till we darlings and Godspeed to our armed forces who hear these broadcasts all over the world each week. Listen to the big show next Sunday at this time when it will come from New York and the stars will be Fred Allen. Jack Carson, Portland Hoffa, Beatrice Lilly, Lawrence Melchior, Ed Wynn, the West Point Choir, and others. Meredith Wilson and the Big Show Orchestra and Chorus. And of course, every week, your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. Gordon McRae appeared through the courtesy of the Railroad Hour. The Big Show is produced and directed by Dee Engelbach and written by Goodman Ace, Selma Diamond, George Foster, Mort Green, and Frank Wilson. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking. Coming up, Bill Harris, then enjoy Hedda Hopper's show on NBC.